0: Hi, I'm Bee Heller, your host of Pioneer Stories, a podcast series in which I interview business founders and leaders who are pioneering new ways of working and management practices, all with the aim of creating inspiring company cultures. Today, I'm interviewing Nicola Murphy, founder and CEO of The River Group, a content marketing agency. Nicola knows what it's like to create a business from scratch, sell it and buy it back again. She graciously shares the lessons she's learned about leadership, people and culture along her journey.
1: So we dressed up my business partner's very attractive boyfriend at the time as the milk tray man. And we managed to blag our way into the boardroom and Archie Norman was the chief executive. And he so much loved this stunt uh, that he gave us his magazine, which at the time was the biggest one in the industry.
0: Pioneer Stories is a podcast for business founders and people leaders who are striving to make their own workplaces deliver for their people and who want their culture to be a source of strength that's likely to drive the future growth of their company. I interview business founders and people leaders we can all learn something from. I try to get past the conceptual ideas and bring the day-to-day habits and practices these businesses use to create and sustain their cultures. I'll bring you one Pioneer each episode, so tune in each week for 30 minutes of wisdom and practical ideas for you to test in your own organisation.
1: My name is Nicola Murphy. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of a group of companies called The River Group, who primarily are agency-side businesses that serve content to clients, customers. We work for 26 brands globally in the main agency. We specialise in membership clients in uh, Fish, which is a, a Peterborough-based membership agency. And we also have a PR agency in central London, which is where the main River Group is based in Marble Arch called maven so there are four businesses in in one group okay and
0: help me understand a little bit about your geographical spread and also just the number of people that work within your umbrella group
1: in the four separate businesses there are 109 people the majority of them are on the content agency side 105 of those and we've got four people in the pr agency which was only incepted in october of 2019 so it's a it's a startup although that said we have got four clients and one of them is superdrug so that's ah, great. Ah, Very um, good. In terms, of, uh, in terms of River generally, it's a 25-year-old agency that I founded back in 1994. And we have uh, 26 global clients. They include people like Weight Watchers, who we work for in the UK, but also in France, Germany and Switzerland. They include Holland and Barrett International, who we work with in the UK primarily, but also in Holland, etc. So they're, they're a, a spread, mostly in the UK and Europe.
0: And how did you personally come to be doing this kind of work?
1: Happenstance, really. Uh, I always say that I'm a, a marketer by trade and a, a reluctant agency owner. Um, I started my career um, at Procter & Gamble, uh, oh gosh, 300 years ago, and, uh, <laughs> and spent um, six years in uh, sales and marketing. And then I left and I needed a job. So I um, I saw a, an advert for a business development director, so a combination of sales and marketing, just what i have been doing at Procter & Gamble, but on the agency side. And I went along and met the three people that owned that agency and joined and within um, three years had um, quadrupled the size of it as the marketing and business development director. And the three of them all um, fell out, I suppose you'd call it, and and couldn't agree who would run the business uh, while the other two left, so they asked me to do it, and they offered me 5% equity, and I said I would do it for 10, um, but they wouldn't give me 10. Happily, they wouldn't give me 10, because I decided to leave with um, one of the editors who worked there and set up River in 1994, and yeah, that's, that's how come I got into the agency business at the ripe old age of 29. How
0: come you decided to leave and set up your own rather than leave and join another company or go in partnership with somebody else? What was it that made you go, think I can do this on my own?
1: I think two impetuses, really. One was that I met my uh, then business partner. She subsequently exited the business when we sold six years ago, but that's another story. And uh, she was a little bit older than me. She said, you've just grown this agency, so why don't we grow our own um, but also, I think I had re- I'd had i come to realise that I was pretty good at client services and building relationships. And there were a couple of organisations that this particular business that we were currently both in, which was called the Publishing Team, had as uh, prospective clients. They weren't actual clients at the time. One was IBM and the other one was Mercury Asset Management, which turned into Merrill Lynch. Um, and I got on particularly well with the uh, marketing directors of both of those And on a a night out for dinner, I was speaking to Keith, uh, who's become a great friend of mine, who was the the IBM retail marketing director and saying, we really want to set up our own business, but we haven't got any money or any equity in anything to put down as a stake. And he said, well, I've got a a magazine budget uh, because we started as a magazine publisher and it's this much and I'm happy to put it on account and you can use that as seed capital. And that's what we did.
0: When you first started River, with growth aspirations in mind, did you have a clear idea of the kind of place you wanted to create for people to work at?
1: I think, first of all, we were trying to, you know, see whether we'd made a a mad mistake. Um, Because as I'm sure you know, being in business yourself, you know, 95% of startups, particularly agency side, um, go down in their first year. So I think our primary concern was oh gosh, have we done something really quite foolhardy when we've both got mortgages to pay. No children in those days. And then secondarily, both being women, uh, we very much wanted to start a a business that culturally focused uh, very much on, on women in business and the growth of a culture that was empathetic and supportive of mums or people that were pregnant or whatever because you you must recall this was 26 years ago and in those days things weren't quite as they as they are now necessarily and and having been at Procter & Gamble I very much uh, although I enjoyed my six years there there was a glass ceiling and the majority of the directors were um, middle-aged white men so we wanted to promote Women in business, we didn't necessarily want to have a, a company full of women and absolutely no men. That wasn't the intention at all, but it really was to make sure that, that we had an inclusive culture that was accepting of the fact that there shouldn't really be a hindrance to one's career if one wanted to go off and have kids, because we both did. I think, secondarily, you know, we wanted to have a bit of fun. We were both pretty young in those days. And um, it was important for us that the the culture was embracing of work hard, play hard. And, And it definitely was work hard for the first couple of years. I'm sure there's been lots of them, but do
0: you have a single moment of pride that stands out for you in the 26 years?
1: Quite possibly the proudest moment was when we sold it, but also then there were three of us at the time who owned the business. But then three years later, decided to buy it back. So I went from being a 25% shareholder because there were four of us, two sleeping partners at the beginning, to a 33% shareholder to now having 100%. Although some might not be too envious of, of owning an agency 100% in COVID-19, but, <laughs> but at the time <laughs> it was great. What
0: drove you to buy it back?
1: So we, uh, the three of us that, that had equal shares in the business, my two business partners were a bit older than me. I think we all thought we'd fallen out of love with the business, but we also wanted to realise, you know, some money after after years of, a lot of years of hard work. I mean, when we set it up, we didn't anticipate that we'd still be going, you know, 19 or so years later. And so we sold it to a big American bank. As the chief exec as I was then, I had to stay, otherwise they wouldn't have bought it because I had the client relationships. And it was once my two business partners left that I realised that actually I, I wasn't out of love with the business at all. I was just out of love with the way that we together ran it. And the American Bank passed the ownership of the business over to a Swedish fund. And that became a little bit tricky from the perspective of Their ideas for growing the business and my ideas for running and growing it uh, such that they decided to put us up for sale and I decided to buy it back. Through these evolutions of the company, (laughs) I'm sure
0: that there have been moments of challenge, shall we say. Uh, What are the biggest people management challenges you've faced over the years?
1: You know, it's great being a startup with five or six staff, working all the hours that God sends, and isn't that wonderful? And actually, one of the other things I'm proud of is that my number one and number two employees still work for River 26 years after they started. In fact, I think we've got about 15 or 16 people who've worked for the business for upwards of 10 years, which is which is absolutely fantastic, and some people that have gone away and come back. But I think growth is a challenge, because inevitably... You know, we started as a con- what was known as a contract publishing company, exclusively in print, producing magazines. And, and then over the years, we had a, a recession. We had 9-11. There were difficult times for the business that necessarily meant, on one occasion, cutting costs and making redundancies, which is unpleasant. But on other occasions, when things were going well, you're taking new people on who are bringing new skills, who sometimes are senior to people that have been there and are very invested in the business because they've been there for a long time and i think making that marriage of of the functionality of of the management of the business but also of the services it provides you know now nowadays having started as a 100% print prints probably only 30% of our business the majority of it is um, social media strategy video etc etc so I think there is a functional change necessarily people in print who started in print journalism tend to be older people in digital is I mean it's a massive generalization but tends to be younger so you're putting you know my oldest employee is 63 and my youngest employee is 21 so you know we're all part of one big team but but people are different within that and it's how those people rub along together.
0: And your sense of female empowerment and that, that sense you had at the start, that that was something that you wanted to carry through your business. How has that shaped your culture over time? Has that continued to be a strength for
1: you? I think so. I mean, we're an agency business and um, I've got a son and a stepson and a, and a lovely husband and lots of male friends and lots of respected men that I know in business. But I would say that agency side from a service perspective that women make excellent account directors and client service leads. And and that's what we do. We're an agency. So the majority of our people have always been female. And that's not a positive discrimination thing. It just happens to be something that women are good at. And therefore that kind of service element has been driven that way. Um, at one point we were nearly 80% women. At the moment, it's kind of high 60s, I think. It wasn't something we set out to do, necessarily. It was something that evolved and felt right, so we carried on doing it.
0: Would you do anything differently around some of those challenges that you face? So I want to go on and talk about the stuff that you've done that's worked really well, but interest just in your reflections on where you've had challenging situations or challenging times and the things that you would do differently from a culture perspective.
1: I think... The, the mother in me, so I've got six kids and stepkids all together, would always have, 10, 15 years ago, have not necessarily opened up about the worries that the business might have in a recession or... And it's not a mistrust thing, it's a protection thing, I think. But I, I do think sometimes if people aren't fully in the loop, they can think, therefore, they're not trusted, which isn't great for culture. So I think I would, if if old me, knew young me, I think I would say just play it with a straight bat all the time. Uh, so, for instance, in COVID-19... We knew as an agency business that some of our uh, clients who are retailers, for instance, who are still open, would be doing much better than, than those clients that were closed and were necessarily furloughing staff and so on. And we had a discussion as a board of directors, and we're two women and two men, by the way, so there's a lot of equality there, about how to how to deal with that and should we... Be completely honest and say, do you know what? We don't know what's going to happen. We are going to have to furlough some people. And inevitably, as an agency, you win clients and you lose clients. And we would hope to win more than we would lose. But there will be some, you know, the the, the worst thing for me anyway, as an entrepreneur is the human capital side of business, not not the monetary capital side of business. But we decided that that's what we were going to do. So every week, I write a little sort of Winston Churchill address saying, do you know what, this week, this dreadful thing happened, but this good bit happened too. And that inevitably means that we've we've actually furloughed we furloughed 20 out of um, 109, which for an agency I think is, is pretty good going. And then we bought five back, so we've got 15 people on furlough. But we just decided that we set them up a separate channel on Slack. Uh, plus, you know, they're not allowed to work, but they can take part in all of the company socials that we've got going on on Zoom or Teams or whatever. We just decided to be as as open and honest as possible and also to say do you know what we don't we don't know all the answers and anybody that says they do at the moment's just not telling the truth and that's how we approach our client relationships too you know if if you need to take some work away because your business isn't doing very well then don't dress it up just tell us so that we can make our own decisions as a business I hope that has reassured people at River that you know even though we might not always do the right thing we're trying to do the right thing and I think that counts for a lot.
0: So looking at some of the great stuff then, because clearly River does have a really fantastic culture. What are some of the things that you've done that you think have been absolutely critical in contributing to a successful culture?
1: I talked about fun before, didn't I? I think we, we've always set, tried to set ourselves apart a little bit from our competitive companies in our industry because there are lots of them and you know there are lots of good agencies out there who pretty much all are selling the same thing so I think for us it's been the approach to the work and the relationships that we've built so we launched the company we didn't have very much money because we didn't want to um to, to splash uh, IBM's cash too much. So we bought 60 boxes of milk tray. You're, you're probably too young, but there was this advert, very un-PC in these day and age, where the milk tray man, all dressed in black, with a rope <laughs> over his shoulder, would shin up the drain pipe and put a, a box of milk tray on the dressing table of his lady love, and then he'd shin back down again, uh, having come into her bedroom, like I say, very un-PC. And we decided that we would we would adopt a fun and quirky marketing stance for a marketing agency in hopes that that would ripple effect out to the clients that we delivered these boxes to. So we dressed up my business partner's very attractive boyfriend at the time as the milk tray man and he and I whizzed all over the country. We went to Leeds to Asda House and we managed to blag our way into the boardroom and archie norman at the time was the chief executive and he so much loved this stunt uh, that he gave us his uh, as i say we started as a magazine publisher he gave us his magazine which at the time was the biggest one in the industry and we got lots and lots of of press and pr out of just doing our own marketing of ourselves a little bit differently and it allowed us to scale quite quickly at the beginning so i think that That trying to do things a little bit differently, not necessarily better, but just differently, um, is something that has helped our culture too. Hmm.
0: One of the things that you've done is setting up a senior board and a a staff council of of juniors. Can you help me understand that a little bit more? What made you take that decision that you did that?
1: When I bought the company back, um, I had no idea because it it wasn't doing so well at the time as to whether I'd really done something a bit stupid. So what I decided to do, having for the first time got 100% of the shares, was to put 20% of them aside into a shadow share scheme, effectively, and to appoint a senior board based not on seniority or longevity in the business, but on the basis of kind of the rising stars, the people that were the bedrock of the business, but also the people that I felt could really take the agency forward. And I gave them... 20% 20% of the shares between them. Obviously, the, those shares, which are still in place today, they don't, they're not worth anything until the business is sold. But at the point it's sold and assuming it's sold for a good price, then, then some of those people will be rich, I hope. So uh, the, the answer to that question is, why did I set up a senior board? It was to really give people the responsibility for what you know what was partially owned by them to keep the, the really great talent that I wanted to keep in the business because I felt that those people were the ones that could take the business forward to the next level and that, and that necessarily, you know, I didn't... I think for a lot of years, um, I felt like, you know, I'm the chief of so I've got to know the answer and I've got to be right and we're going to do what I say and actually that's rubbish because, you know, I think the sign of a good leader and, and I hope to grow into one one day, uh, <laughs> is somebody that actually does take an idea from wherever it comes and, and appreciate the person for giving it. And that's most definitely what's happened with the senior board. Um, the business has gone, uh, apart from this little, what I hope is a blip, uh, gone from strengths to strengths in, in the um, in the few years that I've had it back. Uh, in terms of the staff council, it was the senior board's idea. Um, I think myself and the directors were wondering if it was such a good idea to give more junior younger people the responsibility for making decisions in the business because of course by their very nature having not been managers necessarily before how could they possibly know what was right for a, for an agency but they've come up with some absolutely cracking ideas it was a great idea and and what's even better and I see it in my own kids so much I've got six between the ages of 20 and 29 is that they're not they're not like little scaredy cats like we might have been all those years ago. You know, they're perfectly happy to say what they think and stand up in a, in a staff council meeting and say, well, actually, Nikki, I completely disagree with you. You should do it like this. And I find that I find that really refreshing. Hmm. That's it's really nice to
0: hear. Can you share any
1: of the ideas that have come out of the staff council? Well, one of the most interesting uh, was to buy a dog. So we've, we've got a chief happiness officer who is a little mini Dachshund who we bought um, a few years ago, who, as a creative agency, we thought long and hard about a very creative name and called him River. You'll see what we did there. (laughs) Um, But also things like, things that I guess in this day of Zoom where everyone's on quizzes aren't particularly interesting, but closing the company and having a quiz, we're right by Hyde Park, going to Hyde Park and playing rounders, just being a little more relaxed and flexible about things. We've got two gardens in our um, office and buying garden furniture, and bean bags, having an honesty bar with beer in it that people can go and help themselves to Friday fears on a Friday, an anonymous suggestion box which was an actual physical thing when we were all in the office and is now online, where people can say absolutely what they like and no one knows who's said it so you know, I hope people feel that they really can have an opinion and make a difference those kinds of things are the the things that the senior board and the staff council have come up with. And it's not all fun things either, some of it really is great business ideas or, or potentially new business ideas for new clients to go after and stuff like that or charitable stuff we do at river um we support three main charities and those are voted for by the staff in our 25th year we walked 25 miles across london that wasn't fun uh, and various other things around the theme of 25 and and that the staff council drive those those ideas
0: I think the thing that I hear from that that, that I think's most critical is less about the, the ideas and more about the way that those ideas are suggested. And if you suggested you did a quiz or you went and played rounders in the park or you had a suggestion box, you'd probably get people doing it the first time. But it, it feels very different to if I, as a team member, have made this suggestion and then I get to be the rallying call to get people to go and it, it, it just feels different.
1: And you get much better attendance at things, you know, the yeah. summer party or the Christmas party that are management imposed, you know, aren't necessarily as well uh, attended as things that, are, that people have come up with the ideas themselves.
0: Yeah. It's not so much about putting beers in the fridge in the office. It's that somebody asks, do you know, it'd be really nice if we could have some Friday beers and then they appear. And it's that moment that they appear that actually all the value's in because it's, oh, you listened to my idea and something happened with that. So maybe now's the moment then looking ahead. What do you think River will be like as a place to work in, in, say, five years? What would you like it to be like?
1: I think in five years, I'd like not to be there because we've been succession planning and I think it's right and proper that it should be run by somebody else. And, you know, there's 10 people who are on the senior board who all have shares and one of them or, or several of them, I'm sure, you know, with younger, better ideas than me, will take the business forward. So it will be their culture then, as opposed to the culture of the management team currently. Interesting. If that's the case, I guess it's
0: not so much your place to say this is this is what it could be like because it will be taken in the direction that others want to take it in.
1: I think one of the things that I would say to my younger self back to that bit of the conversation is, you know, you don't have to be the big I am. It's it's actually really nicer, particularly in a circumstance like we find ourselves in at the moment where it's nobody knows what's going to happen to be part of a team and to be able to say, well, I don't know what the answer is, actually. And I'm a bit upset because I don't like working from home this week or whatever it is. What would you like your customers to be saying about you? About river ah, group. see we um we've got some long-term clients at river so holland and barrett 25 years superdrug 17 years co-op 13 years weight watchers the same so i know what they say about us because i ask them frequently for feedback um, and i think they would say that we were great fun to work with because that's the culture that we've tried to develop you know i got remarried a couple of years ago as i think i said at the beginning um, we had a, a very big country wedding and it was all very lovely but of 250 people that came to the day 60 of them were client or business related and my very first client from IBM came with his wife he's retired now he's been retired for a number of years and he came along so I think they would say that we appreciate loyalty and we give it back
0: it's invaluable in business isn't it those length of relationships and just hearing internally
1: and externally actually it's really really important I mean it was quite lovely to see you know because obviously there are quite a lot of the colleagues that I work with at, at River that were there also, you know, it was really it felt like, you know, without sounding like some dynasty somewhere, it felt very much familial It felt like a fa- you know, a family. Uh, and I think you spend so many hours at work that it's really important to feel connected to the place more than just because it pays your mortgage, whether you're a client or, or whether you're a, a team member. That's, that's really important to me. So thinking of those team
0: members, then, I'm assuming you'd like them to be saying very similar sorts of things about River in the future as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think in this, you know, screen world that we're in at the moment, you know, where you meet somebody's dog or their small child. I had I was on a call the other day where with a charity that we're working with, the guy Little boy came in and said, mummy's Mommy, popped to the shops and I'm hungry, daddy. I want my breakfast. And he was waving this piece of bread. And his dad was like, you know, get off the call, get off the call. <laughs> and literally two minutes later, the fire alarm went off where the kid had jammed the bread in the toaster and obviously not done it properly. My point being that you meet, you see people's dogs, their partners, their decor, and you learn more about them. And for me, that's been the good thing about this is, you know, people that you've known for a long time and worked with for a long time, seeing that extra bit into their personal lives uh, and them seeing, to your point, what what you want them to say about you, them seeing a little bit into yours. You know, I don't think I've had a call where one or more of my adult children hasn't walked past in their exercise gear or whatever. Or one of the dogs tries to get my sandwich off the table, as happened earlier, and got half of it, actually. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) it just plays into that sense of family I think even more because you are almost you're in people's homes Nikki thank you so much I've really really enjoyed the conversation not at all if you've enjoyed this show please leave a review wherever you found this podcast it helps other people find us and to spread these ideas if you end up testing any of the ideas shared in this show in your own organisation, please tell us about it at touch at thepioneers.co.uk. We love to hear your stories. Until next time,
1: thanks for listening.